listening to Merciful Like the Father, a reflective resource for the season of Lent. This Lenten podcast, produced for the Jubilee of Mercy, invites prayer, conversation, thought and reflection. Each programme starts with a prayer to lead us into an attentiveness to the Word of God. We'll then hear a passage from the Scriptures which reveals something of God's tender, merciful love to us. Our reflection comes from the Benedictine Scripture scholar, Father Henry Wandsborough, who seeks to deepen our understanding of the way God reaches out in love. Finally, we pray our final prayer together. Jesus stands knocking at our door, inviting us to be open to him and to allow him to transform our lives with the love he brings. As we allow Christ to make his home within us this Lent, let us allow ourselves to rediscover the merciful face of the Father because we know his merciful love in Jesus. So let's begin with our prayer. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, you gave us your Son, the Beloved One who was rejected, the Saviour who appeared defeated, yet the mystery of his kingship illumines our lives. Show us in his death the victory that crowns the ages, and in his broken body the love that unites heaven and earth. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture passage is Luke's account of the passion of Jesus. Even when faced with the cross, Jesus reaches out with forgiveness and mercy. In his death is our ransom from death, in his resurrection, our promise and hope of eternal life. The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ According to Luke When the hour came, Jesus took his place at the table, and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have longed to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, because I tell you I shall not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then, taking the cup, he gave thanks to them and said, Take this and share it among you, because from now on I tell you, I shall not drink wine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took some bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which will be given for you. Do this as a memorial of me. He did the same with the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which will be poured out for you. And yet, here with me on the table is the hand of the man who betrays me. The Son of Man does indeed go to his fate even as it has been decreed. But alas for that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to ask one another which of them it could be who was to do this thing. A dispute arose also between them about which should be reckoned the greatest. But he said to them, among pagans it is the kings who lord it over them, and those who have authority over them are given the benefactor. 
This must not happen with you. No, the greatest among you must behave as if he were the youngest, the leader as if he were the one who serves. For who is greater, the one at the table or the one who serves? The one at the table, surely. Yet here I am among you as the one who serves. You are the men who have stood by me faithfully in my trials, and now I confer a kingdom on you, just as my father conferred one on me. You will eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and will sit on the thrones to judge the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon? Simon! Satan, you must know, has got his wish to sift you all like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and once you have recovered, you in your turn must strengthen your brothers. He answered, Lord, I will be ready to go to prison with you and to death. Jesus replied, I tell you, Peter, by the time the cock crows today, you will have denied three times that you know me. He said to them, When I sent you out without purse or haversack or sandals, were you short of anything? They answered, No. He said to them, But now if you have a purse, take it. If you have a haversack, do the same. If you have no sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Because I tell you, these words of scripture have to be fulfilled in me. He let himself be taken for a criminal. Yes, what scripture says about me is even now reaching its fulfillment. They said, Lord, there are two swords here now. He said to them, That is enough. He then left the upper room to make his way as usual to the Mount of Olives, with the disciples following. When they reached the place, he said to them, Pray not to be put to the test. Then he withdrew from them, about a stone's throw away, and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, let your will be mine. Then the angel appeared to him, coming from heaven to give him strength. In his anguish he prayed even more earnestly, and his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. When he rose from the prayer, he went to his disciples and found them sleeping for sheer grief. He said to them, Why are you asleep? Get up and pray not to be put to the test. He was still speaking when a number of men appeared, and at the head of them the man called Judas, one of the twelve, who went up to Jesus to kiss him. Jesus said, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? His followers, seeing what was happening, said, Lord, shall we use our swords? And one of them struck out at the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. But at this Jesus spoke, Leave off! That will do! And touching the man's ear, he healed him. Then Jesus spoke to the chief priests and captains of the temple guard and elders who had come for him. He said, Am I a brigand that you had to set out with swords and clubs? When I was among you in the temple day after day, you never moved to lay hands on me. But this is your hour. This is the reign of darkness. They seized him and then led him away, and they took him to the high priest's house. Peter followed at a distance. They had lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard, and Peter sat down among them. 
and as he was sitting there by the blaze, a servant girl saw him, peered at him, and said, This person was with him too. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. Shortly afterwards, someone else saw him and said, You are another of them. But Peter replied, I'm not my friend. About an hour later, another man insisted, saying, This fellow was certainly with him. Why, he is a Galilean. Peter said, My friend, I do not know what you're talking about. At that instant, while he was still speaking, the cock crew, and the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter, and Peter remembered what the Lord had said to him. Before the cock crows today, you will have disowned me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Meanwhile, the men who guarded Jesus were mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and questioned him, saying, Play the prophet! Who hit you then? And they continued heaping insults on him. When day broke, there was a meeting of the elders of the people, attended by the chief priests and scribes. He was brought before their council, and they said to him, If you are the Christ, tell us. Then they all said, So you are the Son of God then? They said, What need of witnesses have we now? We have heard it for ourselves from his own lips. The whole assembly then rose, and they brought him before Pilate. They began their accusation by saying, We found this man inciting our people to revolt, opposing payment of tribute to Caesar, and claiming to be Christ, a king. Pilate put to him this question. Are you the king of Jews? He replied, It is you who say it. Pilate then said to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no case against this man. But they persisted. He is inflaming the people with this teaching all over Judea. It has come all the way from Galilee, where he started, down to here. When Pilate heard this, he asked if the man were a Galilean. And finding that he came under Herod's jurisdiction, he passed him over to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Herod was delighted to see Jesus. He had heard about him and had been delighted for a long time to set eyes on him. Moreover, he was hoping to see some miracles worked by him. So he questioned him at some length, but without getting any reply. Meanwhile, the chief priests and the scribes were there, violently pressing their accusations. Then Herod, together with his guards, treated him with contempt and made fun of him. He put a rich cloak on him and sent him back to Pilate. And though Herod and Pilate had been enemies before, they were reconciled that same day. Pilate then summoned the chief priests and the leading men and the people. He said, You brought this man before me as a political agitator. Now I have gone into the matter myself in your presence and found no case against the man in respect of all the charges you bring against him, nor has Herod either, since he sent him back to us. As you can see, the man has done nothing that deserves death, so I shall have him flogged and let him go. But as one man they howled, Away with him! Give us Barabbas! This man had been thrown into prison for causing a riot in the city and for murder. Pilate was anxious to set Jesus free and address them again, but they shouted back, Crucify, Crucify him! him! Crucify, Crucify him! him! And for the third time he spoke to them, Why? What harm has this man done? I have found no case against him that deserves death. 
so I shall have him punished and then let him go. But they kept on shouting at the tops of their voices, demanding that he should be crucified, and their shouts were growing louder. Pilate then gave his verdict. Their demand was to be granted. He released the man they asked for, who had been imprisoned for rioting and murder, and handed Jesus over to them to deal with as they pleased. As they were leading him away, they seized on a man, Simon from Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and made him shoulder the cross and carry it behind Jesus. Large numbers of people followed him, and women too, who mourned and lamented to him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep rather for yourselves and for your children. For the days will surely come when people will say, Happy are those who are barren, the wombs that have never borne, the breasts that have never suckled. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, to the hills, cover us. For if men use the green wood like this, what will happen when it is dry? Now with him they were also leading out two other criminals to be executed. When they reached the place called the Skull, they crucified him there and the two criminals also, one on the right, the other on the left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Then they cast lots to share out his clothing. The people stayed there watching him. As for the leaders, they jeered at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers mocked him too. And when they approached to offer him vinegar, they said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Above him there was an inscription, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging there abused him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us as well. But the other spoke up and rebuked him. Have you no fear of God at all? You got the same sentence as he did. But in our case, we deserved it. We are paying for what we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Indeed, I promise you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and with the sun eclipsed, a darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. The veil of the temple was torn right down the middle. And when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. With these words, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he gave praise to God and said, This was a great and good man. And when all the people who had gathered for the spectacle saw what had happened, they went home beating their breasts. All his friends stood at a distance. So also did the woman who had accompanied him from Galilee. And they saw all this happen. Then a member of the council arrived, an upright and virtuous man named Joseph. He had not consented to what the others had planned and carried out. He came from a Jewish town called Arimathea and lived in the hope of seeing the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. 
He then took it down, wrapped it in a shroud, and put him in a tomb, which was hewn in stone, in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was imminent. Meanwhile, the women who had come from Galilee with Jesus were following behind. They took note of the tomb and of the position of the body. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. And on the Sabbath day, they rested as the law required. In his fifth reflection, Father Henry walks us through Jesus' passion and the cross. He invites us to journey into an embrace with mercy, reconciliation and forgiveness. On Palm Sunday, we read the Gospel about the Passion, and again it's the Gospel according to St Luke. And this is really a scene of forgiveness and repentance, a scene again of God's mercy. It's very moving when Jesus is coming up to Jerusalem. Jesus obviously had a love for Jerusalem. And as he's journeying up to Jerusalem, the last half of the Gospel is about the difficulties which disciples will experience. And halfway through, he weeps over Jerusalem. How often have I longed to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wing. And then, as he enters Jerusalem, again he weeps over Jerusalem. And then, finally, as he leaves Jerusalem, he weeps over it. So, the ministry in Jerusalem is bracketed by Jesus' pain and suffering at the refusal of Jerusalem to repent. And the ministry itself is quite different in Jerusalem. In Mark and Matthew and John, Jesus rubbishes the temple. In Luke, he cleanses the temple and then continues to use it for his last desperate effort. He's teaching daily in the temple, trying to bring Jerusalem to repentance but he doesn't succeed. Then we come on to the Passion narrative itself. And there are two principal motifs of the Passion narrative in St. Luke. First, he wants to make quite clear that there is no enmity between Christianity and Rome. So Pilate three times declares Jesus innocent. Three times says he wants to release Jesus. Three times for emphasis. And then, when they insist, he says he will have Jesus flogged. Not the desperate flogging that comes at the beginning of a crucifixion, but a remedial flogging, a much lighter flogging. So Pilate does his very best to release Jesus. And finally, when he's taken off, Pilate releases Jesus to their will, and they take him away, and the they is the leaders of the Jews. But the second motif of the Passion narrative in Luke, perhaps the most important, is repentance and peace. Jesus continues to bring peace. At the very beginning, in the scene before the arrest, what in Mark and Matthew is the agony in the garden, in Luke it's on the Mount of Olives, the same place, I suppose. But in Mark and Matthew, it's a scene where Jesus is overcome He's beside himself with fear of what is going to come to him. And he prays three times desperately, 
that the cup should pass him by, but accepts the Father's will. In Luke, he prays only once, and it's a much more peaceful, sedate prayer. It's an example to the disciples of prayer. Jesus is always praying in St. Luke at important moments, at the baptism, at the transfiguration. He prays again before he teaches the Lord's Prayer to his disciples. And now he's praying. And it's carefully put. It starts, pray that you enter not into temptation. Then Jesus kneels down, the attitude of earnest Christian prayer, prays, gets up, and then says, pray that you enter not into temptation. So, pray that you enter not into temptation, kneels down, prays, rises from prayer, pray that you enter not into temptation. So Jesus' prayer there is the model of Christian prayer. So even in his arrest, Jesus continues his healing ministry, and the high priest's servant's ear is cut off, but Jesus heals the ear, and so continues to heal through his arrest. Then, when we come to the scene before the council, before the Sanhedrin, Peter betrays his master. And there are two very important elements in this betrayal in Luke. Jesus turns to Peter, looks at him, suggests his forgiveness, and Peter bursts into tears and then realizes what he has done and repents. Also in Luke, they blindfold him as a prophet. They blindfold him and then say, prophesy now, tell us who it was that hit you. In Luke, Jesus is very often represented as a prophet. So they say a couple of times in Luke, after the miracles, a great prophet has risen among us. God has visited his people. And Jesus had prophesied that Peter would betray him. And at the moment Peter betrays him, he is mocked as a prophet. They don't realize that the prophecy is even now being fulfilled. Then when we come to Calvary itself, again, it's a scene of forgiveness. He forgives those who are nailing him to the cross, that barbarous, terrible death, of slow, tortured death. They nail him to the cross and Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Then there's the good thief. In Mark and Matthew, we're simply told that there are two thieves or bandits. The meaning of the word could be either. In Luke, they're differentiated. There's the one who mocks Jesus and the other who says, we deserve this punishment. We have done evil, but he has done nothing to deserve it. Then turns to Jesus and says, forgive me. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. So again, the forgiveness of Jesus, even as he dies. And then there's a mass scene of repentance when the women leave the scene. They're beating their breasts in repentance. So the crucifixion is the scene where the mercy of God comes to all people all those who are present. Seeking to be merciful as our Heavenly Father is merciful, we pray our final prayer together. Loving Father, 
You are a God of mercy and compassion. We thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, into our world to show and teach us how to love. When we walk through the door of mercy during this holy year, may we open our hearts to you so that we may reflect your love, mercy and compassion in our families, communities and parishes. May we walk with Jesus through the streets of Galilee, comforting the sick, opening our arms to the little ones and sharing with the poor and searching out the marginalised in our society. May it be a year when barriers between us fall and reconciliation becomes possible. A year when our faith in your mercy is strengthened and we learn how to be your face of mercy in our world. Amen.